I'm delighted to welcome my two guests to get their insights on today's headlines. Alex Wong, Director of Alex KY Wong Asset Management. Good morning, Alex, and how are you today? Oh, good morning. I'm fine, yeah. That's good to hear. And also joining me is Dufour Evans, Head of APAC Macro Strategy, State Street Global Markets. Good morning, Dufour, and can I check I'm pronouncing your name correctly? Good morning. It's it's close, but not 100% correct. I'll, I'll, I'll correct you if you want. It's two simple syllables. It's pronounced uh, Dwevor. Dwevor. Yes, Dwevor. Okay, yeah. got it. And it just goes, I think I was using your wrong name earlier, which I got off Google, which just goes to show you, you can't trust Google. Anyway, let's start off uh, with news that China's President Xi Jinping and US Secretary of State Antony Blinken met yesterday. What progress do you think they could have made as a result of the visit and how might it affect the world's economies? Let's start off with Alex. Well, I think uh, this is a a step forward, at least. Uh, So we are not seeing um, uh, any progress yet. But I think uh, at least uh, uh, we are seeing um, uh, a, a sign of progress. So uh, probably this would help stabilizing uh, the, the the market confidence towards uh, uh, investing in China. But I think uh, the the boost probably may not be too much. I think the key would still be on the technology transfer or, or, or Chinese uh, uh, or, or the sanctions towards Chinese uh, uh, chips technology. So I think that probably would still be the key for the market to watch. But uh, at least I think uh, we are seeing some sign of progress and stabilization between the two countries. Anything to add to it for? Not a great deal, no. I, I think we, we, we probably shouldn't have gone into the weekend with too much optimism. Uh, th- things don't really work like that in the world of international diplomacy. Things are gradual sort of baby steps. A lot, a lot would have been done in the background to ensure that the visit would have gone off with as little disruption as possible. But I, I think we can probably take from the visit that certainly the meeting with Xi Jinping between Xi Jinping and Blinken um, and the at least the commentary that has come out from the press reports indicates that they're on a positive footing right now. And the markets are really looking for some signs of cooperation, some signs of dialogue. I mean, I, I recall many years ago when China and the U.S. used to have a strategic dialogue every year. And that was always considered to be a step in the right direction in terms of moving together and trying to understand each other's national interests. We, we haven't had that for many a year now, for about six or seven years. We may not be going back to something as structured as that, but at least you know, if they keep on talking, then some of the f- issues that have been bedeviling markets for the last couple of years, Taiwan prominently, but also as well the economic co- co- competition between the two, they at least will be subject to greater dialogue. And that, that can only be a good thing realistically in tempering any of the concerns around geopolitics. Okay, so sounding optimistic, which is more than could be said for the China economy. Now, last week I was discussing JP Morgan lowering its forecast for China. And now today I'm talking about Goldman Sachs lowering its forecast. What are your latest thoughts on China's potential economic recovery? Do we for? It's it's slow. Uh, it's slower than I think most people would have anticipated at the beginning of the year. Uh, and that is being obviously borne out in terms of the policy changes that we are now seeing uh, from the, the PBOC. More is in the pipeline, one would imagine. Uh, the official, I mean, there are two ways of looking at the, the forecast. The official forecasts were a tad more uh, conservative than some of the market forecasts. And what we're now seeing is some of the more optimistic banking forecasts 
costs come back towards what the 5% target uh, from from the, the, the government projections were at the very beginning of the year. So some of the optimism about the rebound in China are being uh, just tempered to some degree. What we're coming back to simply is, is where we're going to be probably very close to government forecasts of around sort of 5%. It does open up, I guess, the potential again for more uh, policy stimulus out of the PBOC. We probably shouldn't expect too much, though. They've spoken for a few years now about how we, we are not going back to the previous cycles of sort of extreme monetary support and even fiscal support as well. It'll be more targeted, it'll be more gradual, but with that gradualist approach will come a more uh, benign environment for growth in any case. So we, we probably shouldn't expect a great deal. We will expect baby steps again on policy. But overall, I think the impression that the markets had at the beginning of the year of this very strong consumption-led rebound in China is simply not happening, and we need to rope in our expectations on the back of that. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because China's own forecast is for 5% growth, so Goldman Sachs is still forecasting at 5.4% over that. What are your thoughts, Alex? I agree. I think uh, uh, the the GDP number actually is not that important. I think the quality of the growth probably would be more important. So China probably would be prudent in uh, fiscal and monetary policies. They would not be too aggressive because they they actually are, are, are in a deleveraging situations before the, this year disappointment. So probably they would not reverse back uh, to the old days uh, strategies. So they probably may not try to relevage the societies again. So I think uh, they probably would be prudent. So I and 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 of course I think uh, right now the major problem is the um, disappointment in the consumption, and this is I think uh, related to confidence. So what they need to do I think is to try to boost the confidence uh, among business and also in consumers as well. Now, that's interesting. Uh, Alex, you mentioned it's quality growth that's important. How does that differ from GDP growth? How can you measure quality growth? I think uh, that means uh, if you put more investment into capacity, which may not be useful in the futures, then probably they they would just left with a GDP growth number and also idle uh, facilities later on. So that's what happened uh, decades ago. So I think uh, the people do not want to see that kind of growth again. So they probably would try to uh, make some investment, which will be more valuable in boosting productivities and probably make people uh, happier. So I think uh, that probably would be the difference between uh, the, the old, old strategies and the new, 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 new stimulus. Okay, that makes sense. Now, yesterday, the Hong Kong Exchanges and Clearing launched a dual counter model that allows investors to trade yuan-denominated shares. How important is this for both the mainland and Hong Kong, Alex? I think it will take time. Uh, this is important because uh, it would make uh, more investment products available for uh, offshore RMB holders. And and also, uh, this would be better for those uh, uh, Chinese investors as well, so they do not need to um, take some... Uh, 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 the extra currency risk uh, during the investing in, 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 when they invest in Hong Kong. So I think uh, that is uh, important in the future. But in the meantime, probably it would still be a uh, very uh, low turnover product because uh, uh, people holding RMB in Hong Kong actually may not um, may may hold actually more Hong Kong dollar. So they probably would still be uh, going back to the Hong Kong dollar counter. So in the meantime, it would not be very popular. But I think this is a very important step in the future. Okay, three, four. 
Yeah, it's it's part of a bigger process, isn't it? So we've been through Bond Connect, we've been through Stock Connect, we're now going through Swap Connect, and now we're going through this dual counter model as well. It's all part and parcel of the bigger picture of internationalizing the renminbi uh it's it's again baby steps nothing like this ever goes very quickly or moves along a very rapid route uh what it does do i i guess once again is it just opens up the potential for uh greater use of the renminbi i mean to alex's point uh it's it's notable that this probably won't get picked up um as a significant step for as long as the renminbi is in this sort of weakening phase uh, but so it's, in other words, it's, it's partly more of a signalling impact in the near term rather than anything that has a, a great practical implication. But again, it's all part and parcel of this closer relationship now between the China mainland markets and the Hong Kong markets, and part of the bigger picture of the interna- internationalisation of the renminbi. But it is a small step, but it's another one of the, these steps that are all moving towards that uh, renminbi internalisation process. Okay, now we're going to be focusing more um, with a deep view on China uh, with Ryan later in the show. So let's move on now to Hong Kong. Um, Also in the headlines, a quarter of Hong Kong's workforce could lose jobs to AI in the next five years. I also remember, I think it was a few years ago, uh, reading a report on the financial sector in China being very hard hit in terms of number of jobs by AI. But for this latest one on Hong Kong, that a quarter of the workforce could lose its jobs, do you think it's just headline grabbing or could this be real? Uh, do we fall? Well, uh, Hong Kong is, I guess, a, a hub that is very, very dependent on finance and on financial support services like legal services, et cetera, et cetera, probably uh, more so than most of the other major major economies, most of the other major markets. Uh, The implication here, I guess, is that uh, much of the services sector in Hong Kong is vulnerable to AI. Um, That should not be a Hong Kong-specific issue. If Hong Kong, as a predominantly service sector location, is vulnerable to AI, then Singapore is as well, then the city of London is as well, then Wall Street is as well in in, in New York, just focusing on the the financial sector. And so there's a bit of headline grabbing here. I mean, if if, if this came out specifically with with a Hong Kong press in mind, then obviously they're going to focus on Hong Kong. But I think the broader picture here is that if AI accelerates to the extent that it puts services sectors under threat, then it's not a Hong Kong issue, it's a global issue. And so I think there's a little bit of headline grabbing here. I'm not quite sure the projection of the numbers, how they would have been derived. Um, I I suspect it's not going to be reality, but I think if it's even partial reality, it'll be a partial reality that will have global implications and not just Hong Kong implications. I think you're right on that one. But can I ask you, uh, Dewey for? Do you use AI much in your daily work, and is it helping you be more productive? We, we do actually. Uh, we have uh, so. So I work for a, for a sell side bank, and the the research that we do increasingly incorporates AI and machine learning um, as a way of simply simplifying 
productivity in terms of what we'd regard as sort of big data searches and big data uh, implications. So we do a lot of work on uh, media analysis, which is to try and understand things like themes and topics that are topical of a particular time. We do a lot of work on trying to understand things like trends in prices and inflation, which is obviously a, uh, an important topic right now. Uh, and we don't do this in the typical sort of manual way that we used to do it in the past. And we don't even do it in the typically sort of Excel spreadsheet way that we do in the past. We do it now through machine learning and natural learning programs and, and, and AI. So increasingly, the research output that we produce, and I'm sure I speak for others from other South South institutions, the research pro pro production that we uh, create as output is now increasingly centered around the initial use of AI to sort of capture bigger picture trends in big data sets that are simply unmanageable otherwise. So it is becoming a more prominent factor in the way that we produce research. And Alex, do you use it in any different ways? Well, actually, we are not. We are working in a small company. It is my own company. So we do not have that kind of resources. So we, our strategy is to narrow the focus. So we are following um, narrow focus uh, uh, area. So that means uh, the, 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 the effort would be less. So I, we are using the always, actually. Okay. Well, moving on to the crypto world, another kind of thing of the future. BlackRock has applied to the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission for a Bitcoin exchange traded fund. Now, Bitcoin fans are seeing this as a very positive thing. Are they right? We've got about 30 seconds for each of you on this one, starting with Alex. I think uh, this is uh, okay because uh, uh, because people probably may be concerned about the ex uh, crypto exchanges. So uh, putting ETF on the uh, old exchanges actually would help. Okay, and do we fall? Yeah, this gives it a little bit of an elevated stance, actually, in, in terms of the investment community. So, so to Alex's point, the issue is always uh, the, the safety and also, I guess, the regulation behind exchanges. Uh, if a name like BlackRock gets involved, then it elevates that exchange to, I would consider it to be a more... Uh, I guess a more uh, a more notable uh, institution than would otherwise be the case. So it potentially could be an important factor. And I've been told that BlackRock have a success record of applications that they've put to the um, SEC of 575 and one rejected. So it looks pretty positive that that application will go through and perhaps have a big impact on Bitcoins. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you both, gentlemen.